Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 8 of the World of Sports podcast hosted by Diego Sandoval. I am your host Diego Sandoval and today we will be talking about week 1 of the 2020 NFL season, previewing the NBA conference finals and looking ahead to MLB's 2020 playoff plan. As always, if you would like to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram, be sure to check out at TWOS Podcast. That's at TWOS Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. As always, let's start out with some news from around the leagues. Um, we'll start off in the NFL. Uh, 49ers cornerback Richard Sherman is heading to the IR and he is eligible to return after three weeks. Um, doesn't seem like something too serious. He should make the return in the minimum of three weeks on the IR. Uh, Same with Le'Veon Bell of the Jets. He also is headed to the IR, and he also is expected to return within the next three weeks. Uh, Michael Thomas, Saints star wide receiver, is um, scheduled to miss several weeks with an ankle sprain that he hurt in week one. So... Keep an eye out on his his injury status. He wasn't put on the IR. All that is reported is that he will miss several weeks. Moving on to the MLB, uh, Phillies ace Jake Arrieta is out for the season um, with an injury. Uh, Arrieta, obviously, I in my opinion, probably the best pitcher on the Philly staff, and with them trying to make a playoff push in this last week, that's going to hurt them. So keep an eye out on how the Phillies are able to work around Arietta missing the rest of the season. Uh, staying in the MLB, uh, Mets ace Jacob deGrom has been listed as day-to-day with a hamstring injury. Um, it was kind of questioned whether or not he'd be able to return this season at the beginning of the week, but um, he has just been listed as day-to-day, and he is um, supposed to return in this last week, doesn't look like the Mets are going to make a playoff push, but it's good to see that DeGrom won't be out for an extended period of time. Uh, Yankees pitcher James Paxton is out for the rest of the season. He has been on the IL for most of the year, um, but just this past these past few days, the Yankees made it made it official that he would miss the rest of the season. Paxton is probably the second or third best pitcher behind, obviously, Garrett Cole in that rotation. So losing Paxton in the playoffs could could be a big hit to the Yankees. Um, also in the MLB, so far three teams have all clinched have clinched playoff spots, and those teams are the Dodgers, the White Sox, and the Rays. Um, all of those teams are in first place in their um, respective divisions, and they have all clinched their playoff spots with one week around one week to go in the season. So. And then one piece of news from the NBA, uh, the Toronto Raptors have extended their head coach, Nick Nurse, uh, won the Coach of the Year award this year, uh, definitely deserving of an extension. So Nurse will be staying in Toronto for the near future. All right, moving on, we'll um, talk about week one of the NFL season. Um, the way I'm going to do this from now on is just kind of go through every matchup and who who beat who and just give one key point from the game that I saw. Um, just to keep it short and simple. Uh, so week one started with the Chiefs and the Texans on Thursday night football. Um, in that game, the Chiefs beat the Texans. And in my opinion, the Kansas City offense just looked dominant all throughout. 
Um, they looked like a team fresh off a Super Bowl win. They were confident. They stepped in, and they pretty much had control of this game. Um, honestly, the defensive side of the Kansas City didn't look too bad either. Um, but, yeah, Chiefs looked like they're in for another dominant season, while the Texans looked a little shaky on the offensive side without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, next matchup, Packers beat the Vikings. Um Aaron Rodgers showed us that he still kind of has some left in the tank after a bit of a down year last year. Uh, he had 364 passing yards and four touchdowns. So, looks like Rodgers is back to his normal form. Uh, we'll see how he plays moving forward. Uh, moving on, um, we have the Ravens beat the Browns in a AFC North battle. Um, honest, Baltimore looked dominant on both sides of the ball. And... Lamar remained in his MVP form from last year, you know, rushing all over the place, high QBR. Um, yeah, the Ravens just simply dominated that game against the Browns. Um, moving on to in Carolina, the Raiders beat the Panthers. Um, the main takeaway from this game is that Josh Jacobs looked like an elite running back. And yes, the Panthers have a really bad defense, but I still think um, you know, he had three touchdowns, I think 90-plus um, rushing yards. Uh, he looks like he's taking that leap from his rookie season to become one of the better backs in the NFL. Um, moving on, uh, the Seahawks beat the Falcons in a kind of a shootout game. You know, got close towards the end, but Russell Wilson had another an amazing performance. He's an MVP candidate year, candidate year in and year out. And I think he's heading towards that once again in his career. So, yeah, Seahawks offense looked really good, led by Russ. Um, next matchup, the Bills beat the Jets. Um, I mean, not nothing too special in this game. Josh Allen played well, but honestly, the Jets just looked very bad. And, you know, losing Le'Veon Bell for them is going to hurt these next couple weeks. But they just didn't look like they belonged. Um, so yeah, Bills beat the Jets, uh, moving on, uh, the Washington football team, uh, upset the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, at one point the Eagles had a 17 to zero lead and they actually, they blew it. Um, Redskins came back, scored a bunch of unanswered points and it seems like for the Eagles, the offensive line will be a big problem this year. There were eight sacks by the Washington football team. So you know, if the Eagles want to succeed in that NFC East, they're going to have to shore up that O-line or at least change something in the game plan that'll give Carson Wentz either more time to throw the ball or get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. Uh, moving on to another upset, uh, the Jaguars beat the Colts. It seems like Minshew Mania is alive and well. Um, upsetting the Colts, like I said, he looked like he, he played pretty well. Um I don't know. I think the Colts might just have to get used to each other almost with Phillip Rivers. Um, they lost Marlon Mack for the rest of the season with a torn Achilles. But, yeah, that Colts team, you know, you got Jonathan Taylor's their running back, rookie, Phillip Rivers' first year. Other than T.Y. Hilton, there's a couple of those guys, wideouts, that are first year on the Colts. So I think that team might take a little while to mesh. But... Yeah, the Jaguars took advantage of the week one Colts having not, they're not that experienced together. So, you know, the Jaguars really took advantage of that. 
Moving along to another game that surprised a lot of people was the Bears beat the Lions. Um, Mr. Trubisky showed some promise after, you know, not living up to his expectations in his first couple years in the league. Um, he won the starting job over Nick Foles, which shocked many. You know, the Bears brought in Foles, gave him a contract. It seemed as if Trubisky's days as a starter were over, but week before week one, Trubisky was named starter, and he showed he showed out in week one. Um, the Lions had a big lead going into the fourth quarter, and Trubisky led a comeback, and they were able to take the lead, and then the Lions came driving down the field, and rookie running back DeAndre Swift missed a game-winning touchdown pass that was directly in his hands. So, tough break for the Lions, but also the Bears' offense showed some fight coming back in this game after being down big in the fourth quarter. You know, not many teams will do that, but yeah, that team, especially Mitch Trubisky, in my opinion, showed some promise in that game. Uh, moving on, the New England Patriots beat the Miami Dolphins. This is one that most people pretty much expected. Dolphins came into the season not looking too good. Um, but the big storyline in this game, in my opinion, was that Cam Newton looked really solid in this new Patriots offense that they're running. You know, for so many years, they had Tom Brady, obviously, and Tom Brady doesn't run the ball. Tom Brady, is, you know, his game is more focused on the short passes, you know, getting your receivers out in space. Whereas Cam Newton comes in, he's an entirely different quarterback. Um, he was able to run a lot. Um I think he had one or two rushing touchdowns. Um, yeah, but overall, I think this new Patriots offense looks good, led by Cam Newton. Uh, yes, it was against a bad Dolphins defense, so we'll have to see how they perform going forward against maybe more talented teams. Um, but overall, I think Cam looks solid in his Patriots debut. Um, the next matchup um, featured the number one overall pick from this year, obviously in Joe Burrow. Um, they played against the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Chargers came out with the W, and in my opinion, this game was played very poorly by both sides. Um, the game came down to a, it was 16-13 to 13 with about four seconds left. Bengals had the ball, and I think it was like the 20 or 30-yard line, and the kicker lined up to send it to overtime, and he just shanked a chip shot field goal. Um... But yeah, neither of these teams really impressed me. I don't think Tyrod Taylor of the Chargers really has the ability to lead that team to a victory. Especially with, you know, Derwin James being out on the defensive side. That really hurts their defense. Austin Eckler didn't perform as many thought he would going into, you know, his first year of his new contract. Melvin Gordon being gone. Um, and I think Joe Burrow played solid in his NFL debut. You know, he had a rushing touchdown. Um... But, yeah, the rest of the pieces around him didn't really perform. Joe Mixon didn't have the best of the best of games. But, yeah, what I'm trying to say is neither of those teams really stood out to me um, as potential playoff teams this year. Um, moving on to one of the better games of the week, the Arizona Cardinals beat the 49ers. Like I said in last episode, the Cardinals are the team to look out for in the NFC West. That division is so good. And I think the Cardinals really do have a chance to make it as a wild card spot in the NFC. 
Um, yeah, Cardinals beat the 49ers. Um, game came down to the wire. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray looked great together in their first game. Um, and yeah, like I said, that Cards team is one to look out for. The offense played well against a really good 49ers defense. And the defense held their own, you know, not allowing more than 30 points, I think, against the 49ers is pretty good considering the Niners made the Super Bowl last year. So, yeah, um, Cardinals, look out for the Cardinals going forward as they just beat their division rival 49ers. Uh, moving on to probably the most anticipated matchup of the week, uh, Saints versus Buccaneers. You know, Tom Brady's um, debut with his new team for the first time in his career. And then, obviously, you have Drew Brees and the Saints. Um, in this game, the Saints beat the Buccaneers. Um, in my opinion, neither quarterback really played well, but Brady specifically didn't look very good in his Bucks debut. Um, you know, the Saints had an amazing run run game that entire game. Alvin Kamara really, you know, played well. Latavius Murray played well for them as well, but... I think the storyline here is that Brady looked a bit shaky in his new offense. Uh, Gronk didn't look very good. I mean, I kind of ex- expected it considering, you know, Gronk's been out of football for so long. But uh, we'll see going forward. The Saints, in my opinion, are a top three team in the NFL. So the Buccaneers' luck could change in week two. Um, now we're at the Sunday night football game. Um where the Los Angeles Rams took down the Dallas Cowboys. And the main point here, it looks like, seems like it's been this point for the Cowboys the past few seasons, that that offense has so many weapons, but they just can't find a way to use them correctly. That offense struggled against the Rams. I don't think they scored more than 20 points. But the fact that that offense struggles worries me if I'm a Cowboys fan. Because, you know, Jerry Jones... They've done all they can to get all this talent. You know, they drafted C.D. Lamb. They traded for Mari Cooper a couple years ago. You know, drafted guys like Zeke and Dak. They've got Michael Gallup, too. Um, but just the team can't find a way to use those weapons effectively and to catapult them into a top playoff spot, which, in my opinion, based on their roster, they should be. But for some reason, they just can't figure it out. So that's one thing to look out for moving forward is can that Cowboys offense live up to their potential? And now moving on to the two Monday night football games, uh, Steelers-Giants. The Steelers beat the Giants pretty handedly. Um, the Steelers defense absolutely shut down Saquon Barkley and that whole run defense re- or run offense, really, excuse me. Um, and really, if you're the New York Giants and you don't have Saquon Barkley having a good to great game, that team really doesn't have a chance at winning, in my opinion. Um, another key thing from this game, um, Big Ben Roethlisberger, it was his first first game back from missing all of last season due to an elbow injury, and I he looked great. Didn't miss a stride. He connected with Juju Smith-Schuster on two touchdowns. Um, so that's really promising for Steelers fans that – Big Ben doesn't look like he's missed a beat in his year out of the NFL. Out of the NFL, um, yeah. And the last game of the week was the uh, Tennessee Titans against the Denver Broncos. Um, 
not many storylines in this game. The Titans beat the Broncos. It was really low scoring. There was lots of good defense played. Um, but yeah, other than that, no big storylines to talk about in the Titans-Broncos game. That is your recap of the week one week one of the NFL season. Um, moving on, I will be discussing the NBA Conference Finals. So, as of right now, when I'm recording this, and it will be posted on Friday, September 18th, um, the Eastern Conference matchup is the Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics, and as of right now, the Miami Heat are up 2-0. Um, my original prediction was bought, was that Celtics were going to win this series in six games. It does not look like that. If the Celtics are going to win the series, I think it'll be in seven. Um, but right now, I think Miami just looks unstoppable, and Boston couldn't hold on to a lead. Um, I think in... At the half in game two, Boston was up anywhere from 10 to 15, and they just kind of fell apart in the third quarter. Um, but yeah, that was my prediction. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, one really interesting thing about this series, kind of just a fun fact, is that it is a three versus six seed with the with Boston being the three seed, Miami being the six seed. And this is actually the first time ever that there is no one or two seed in a conference final. So it kind of shows, you know, the one two seed in the East were the Bucks and the Raptors. Um, in my prediction, I had those team, those two teams making the Eastern Conference Finals. Didn't work out that way, but yeah, it looks like it's the year of the underdog in the Eastern Conference Finals, or just in the Eastern Conference in general. Um, what I've seen so far in this series, and you know, throughout the whole playoffs, is that the Miami Heat shooters are really the key in this series. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Harrow. Um, you could put Goran Dragic in that in that realm as well. Um, they've been they've been shooting lights out all playoffs, and that's why they've won, in my opinion. You know, these guys kind of coming out of nowhere. They're role players, you know, led by Butler and Adebayo. They're two all stars, but those guys are kind of what's fueling the team at this point, in my opinion. So that's. Probably the key thing to look out for is can the Miami Heat shooters continue their dominant run? And if they can, I don't see the Celtics stopping them. Meanwhile, for Boston, it's can Jason Tatum lead this team to victory? You know, you look at that roster and you think, you're like, oh, Kemba's the veteran presence, right? But he's just not the best player on that team. And the bottom line is, like, yeah, you can have a bunch of veterans, but it's usually the best player on the team that is given the task to lead a team to victory. And for the Celtics, in my opinion, that's Jason Tatum. You know, yes, he has the playoff experience, but he's still very young. I think he's 22. And I don't know if he has what it takes to lead this team to victory. And But meanwhile, on the Heat side, they have Jimmy Butler. And I think Jimmy is probably one of the most underappreciated players in this league and part of that goes to the fact that he doesn't put up the superstar stats that you would expect but he is just so good in clutch in clutch moments he's so good at leading his team and he's just like a great presence on the floor for the heat and i think they really found a good a good match when they when they acquired him last offseason so, 
those are my thoughts on the Heat Celtics series. Um, Miami being up 2 0, it's going to be tough for the Celtics to come back. But, you know, it's possible. If the Miami Heat shooters kind of get cold um, and the Celtics are able to take advantage of that, I could see this series going six or seven. But, yeah, we'll see. Um, moving on to the Western Conference Finals, the first game will be played tonight. So. As of right now, the series is 0-0. It is obviously the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Denver Nuggets. My prediction for this series, um, it's gonna. I think it's going to be Lakers in five or six games. Um, yes, the Nuggets are coming off of this miracle run, you know, coming back down from 3-1 back-to-back series, never been done before. Against the Los Angeles Clippers, you know, yes, the Utah Jazz, they're a respectable team, but... The Los Angeles Clippers were heavily favored to even win the title this year. So the fact that the Nuggets are able to come back from that, that's that's a really good sign for the Nuggets. But, you know, Jokic really played a big part in that Clippers series and the, Nugget, and the Jazz series, but more the Clippers series. And, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers didn't have a guy like Anthony Davis that the Lakers have. And I think Anthony Davis really does have the ability to lock down Nikola Jokic or at least neutralize him at some point in the offensive side of the ball. You know, AD, a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, I think he finished second this season. And I do think that he's going to be able to slow down Jokic, to say the least. He might even be able to shut him down altogether. Um, And then, of course, the Nuggets have Jamal Murray, um, who I think could most definitely go off in this series. Uh, with the Lakers, you know, lack of, I mean, the Lakers getting Rondo back definitely helps a lot um, in terms of defense at the point guard position. But I still don't think Jamal Murray by himself can beat the Lakers team. Um, we've seen in the past few series the Lakers have played in, they've played against probably the two best backcourts in the NBA with the Trailblazers and Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and then the Rockets with Westbrook and James Harden. Um, And we've seen that that doesn't really affect them that much. You know, they have guys, you know, Alex Caruso, Rajon Rondo. Those guys can guard the point guard position. And I think, you know, Jamal Murray, I think, is going to have a big series, but I don't think that it's going to be enough to lift the Nuggets over the Lakers. And I think the main thing in this series is that the Nuggets don't have a player that can stop LeBron James like the Clippers did. You know, if the Clippers were to make this Western Conference Finals, I think it was going to go Game 7. But now that it's the Nuggets, um, you know, the Clippers had Kawhi, and he was the LeBron stopper, you know. But the Nuggets don't have a guy like that. You know, LeBron James is obviously one of the greatest players of all time, and you need a very, very elite defender to stop a guy like LeBron James when he's on a mission towards the basket. And I don't think the Nuggets have a guy to do that. And that's why my prediction is Lakers in five or six games, and I see them advancing to the NBA Finals. Um, So that's my take on the NBA Conference Finals. Um, Move on to the last segment of the episode, and that is the proposed and now accepted uh, MLB playoff plan for 2020. This is going to be super quick, and then I'll wrap it up. Um, so one of the main things that's different in the MLB playoff plan this year is that there is a 
there are eight seeds, so one to eight seed in each league, American League and National League. So it's very similar. It's the exact same concept as the NBA playoffs where, you know, the one will play the eight, two, seven, you know, three, six, four, five. Those will be the matchups. And so one to three seed will be the winner from each division. The four to six seed will be second place in each division. And then seven and eight will be the wild card spots. So those are just the two best records behind the first and second place teams of each division. Um, there will be no buys like there usually is in the MLB playoffs. Um, the first round of the playoffs is a three-game series, um, which is played at the higher seeds' home field. So, for example, if, say, the White Sox are the higher seed in this three-game series, it will be played in Chicago. Um, I don't really like the idea of a three-game series just because with baseball, it's so... I don't want to say random, but so many different things can happen regardless of how good a team is. Like, And with a three-game series, how short that is, you know, one good game from one pitcher, you know, you're already one game away from getting eliminated. And I'm not a big fan of that, but we'll see how it goes moving forward. We'll see. I think there's definitely potential to be a lot of upsets just due to the fact that it's only a three-game series and not the usual five games. Um... But yeah, we'll see how that pans out. Um, after the the first round, these three-game series, the divisional series, so the NLDS and ALDS, um, will be played in bubbles. Just, you know, bubbles, like I say, like the NBA bubble, where there's one to two, you know, closed locations where the players will be in order to just kind of, you know, reduce risk, reduce travel. They don't want to be traveling back and forth across the country. Um, so the way it'll work out is this. The NLDS, so the Divisional Series, will be played in Globe Life Field, home of the Rangers, and Minute Maid Park, home of the Astros. So the National League will be playing in Texas, whereas the American League Division Series will be played in Petco Park, home of the Padres, and Dodger Stadium, obviously the home of the Dodgers. Um... You know, you might ask yourself, why is the NL playing in Texas while the AL is playing? You know, or like, why is the NL playing in AL stadiums while the AL is playing in NL stadiums? And I believe what MLB said was that they didn't want any sort of, you know, home field advantage. Just because, you know, if, for example, the Padres were to play in Petco Park, they would have a much better understanding of the stadium and this and that, you know, they might just have advantages in that form. And that's what the MLB is kind of shying away from. They don't want that. Um, so after that, the divisional series is over, the NLCS, the championship series, obviously between just two teams in the NL, will be played in Globe Life Field. And the American League championship series will pl be played in Petco Park. Uh, similar to the NLDS, just reduced to one park, obviously, because there's only two teams left. Um, and then the World Series will be played in Globe Life Field in Texas. So the, the National League team will stay in Globe Life Field, whereas the American League team will make the trip from Petco Park to Globe Life. And Rob Manfred has, announced, has openly said that he hopes to have fans for the World Series and will try to, if possible. Um, 
That hasn't been decided on, however, so we'll see if there will be a fan presence in the World Series. And that is all for me. Um, thank you so much for listening to Episode 8 of the World of Sports Podcast. Um, we reviewed everything that happened in Week 1 of the NFL season. I gave my take on the NBA Conference Finals and discussed MLB's plan for the 2020 playoffs. Uh, as always, be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at TWOS Podcast. And let me know um, who you think is going to be the surprise team heading into the MLB playoffs. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, yeah, thank you very much. My name is Diego Sandoval, signing off.